It's the More Than Just Code podcast. This week we discuss our first impressions on handling the new iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus. We challenge Apple's software quality control. We also discuss iOS 8 adoption rates and iPhone 6 Plus bending or not. And Tim relates a spooky experience with his iPhone 5S. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 8 of the More Than Just Code podcast. This week I am joined by Aaron Vane with Be Ontario. Good evening. And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And I'm joined by Mark Rubens in... San Jose this week. Hey, everybody. San Jose, California. Hey, how are you? Good. Okay, um, so we've we've all had the better part of three or four days now with our iPhone 6s. Um, I have a iPhone 6 Plus. I've activated it. I you know got a SIM into it, got it activated. But I haven't actually started using it as my phone yet, so I'm still using my iPhone 5s, and uh, you know it's it's a really cool device, and and you know I've started playing some games on it that I would normally play on my iPad Mini. So my iPad Mini is currently sulking in the corner. And uh, what do you, what do you guys think of your uh, your devices now that you've had some some time with them? I can't talk. I'm playing with my iPhone. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like it. You know, it's at first it seemed a seemed a little bit big, uh, but I kind of got yeah. used to it. I, I do think it's um, you know it's a little bit more unwieldy than the old one. It's sort of harder to to get a grip on. I, I always feel like I'm going to drop it. Uh, I don't have a case, so maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe I need to get one of those. I'll probably right. get used you, to that too. But you're using it as a full time phone right now. I am. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and what about you, Jaime? How do you think of your six plus? You know, I love 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 the large display. Everything is. Um, you know, it's so much easier to see. It's uh, it's actually quite a bit brighter, and I have brightness turned uh, down on mine because it was just a little too bright compared to the iPhone five. Um, mm-hmm. And I would have to say, <laughs> I'd have to agree that it's the Claymore sword of iPhones. Um, it, it is definitely a two-handed beast. There, there's the reachability and, and a couple other things uh, that help that out. But when I put it in my pocket, I know for sure it's in my pocket. There's no doubt about that. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. But the battery life, I mean, I, I've i been waiting for this kind of battery life. Um, normally, I'd have to watch that like a hawk with the iPhone 5. And, uh, you know, going through the the normal course of a day, I'd probably have to recharge at least you know, towards 4 p.m. So I can make sure that I can get through the commute because I listen to podcasts um, such as this one on the on the way home. And I also, you know, maybe going out to see friends at happy hour or something. So I want to make sure my phone doesn't die during that with this phone, uh, for the past, you know, several days of of testing it out in my normal day-to-day life, um, using it just as much as I do, if not more than I do the iPhone five, I come home with 49% battery life. And in fact, right now it is at 42%. Yeah, mine's at mine's at forty four, but like I said, I I I, I haven't been, I haven't had a, a, an opportunity where I've had to charge it or gotten down to like nothing. Whereas that used to happen all the time on my five S, and but but that said, I'm not using it as a, as a cell phone, so I'm not using the cellular radio. At least I don't think I am. Um, so my experience doesn't really count. The one thing I find about the i I mean I really like it. I got the I went and got the Apple leather case because I want to get a life proof case for it, but uh, they're not out yet. Um, but I, I didn't want to, and it, it's a bit slidey without the case, I find, you know, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the neoprene uh, type cases where you can't slide them in out of your pocket. But I really do. I've always liked Apple's leather cases. In fact, even on my Newton, I used to have a, a leather case. That's how far back I go with these. And it doesn't add, surprisingly, like most cases when you add them on the iPhones in the past, because the the screen was actually at level or slightly below the level of the bezel, here we got the curved screen up, and so I, I sent a picture to you guys last week, but I find that the case doesn't obscure the edge of the screen, which is really nice. It is a bit sort of topply in your hand at points, at times, you know, when you're trying to type and stuff like that, and the double tap on the home button is kind of a nice feature because you can bring down the things. Um, uh, but I, w- one thing anno- annoying about that, though, is if you double tap to bring the screen down and then you make a choice, it pops back up again with, when it might be a bit better if it, if it could persist for a little while longer while you make choices on the top of the screen. 
but you know, otherwise, I love the size. I love it for gaming, and and I, I might be finding I'm using it more as a two-handed phone. I'm going to kill my dog. Is that your dog? Hey. Holy cow! Yeah, it sounded like somebody was moving, moving stuff in your house. The dog has a has a bucket full of toys, and so he he chooses the right time to just decide I want to help all my toys out of the bucket, and I want them now. So. Okay, well, yeah, that was my dog. So that's my piece on the uh, iPhone 6 Plus. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, hey. <laughs> it's only our three listeners you need to apologize to. Um, mm-hmm. Mark, I didn't catch uh, which one you got. I have the 6. Right, okay, so it's you and me. Brothers yeah. in small arms. That's right. Um, <laughs> so um, I am such a huge fan of this device. I. Uh, I, I find that the size increase uh, is definitely noticeable, but I'm not really bothered by it. Um, maybe I just uh, have more of a mind with Apple's designers that thin is really excellent, and the thinness uh, difference between this and the 5S, or sorry, the 5 that I had previously, um, is palpable and noticeable all the time. When I went to pick it up in the store uh, last Friday, I uh, got an opportunity to see the 6 Plus as well, and I got the chance to manhandle it and even put it in my pocket. Um, you know, connected to its security chain, of course. Um, nobody, nobody tackled me. <laughs> Tackle-free opportunity, which was excellent. Um, and the thing I noticed was that uh, it was, to my hands, obscenely large, like crazy, crazy big, um, and and took up my entire pocket. And uh, which yeah, I think we probably will we talk about bend thing gate gate. Yeah, we'll talk about that okay. in a few minutes. Well, yep. um, when that you know when we do, I'll just say that for now that I'm not surprised that people have run into that issue. Um, because I think, um, because I carry my phone in my front pocket. Well, I was going to um, say, which, which pocket do people carry yeah, their phones front in? Front left is right. me. Um, yeah, it's, me it's a dedicated pocket. So anyway, um, make a long story short, uh, I find that, uh, the, the phone, the, the larger one was just too big and I'm, I'm pleased that I got the regular sized one. Let's just call it that. Some of the things I really like about it, you know, all the reviews compare, this drives me nuts actually. Maybe you've noticed this as well not just for iPhones, but for pretty much anything that Apple produces or probably pretty much anything any manufacturer produces. Uh, comparing the current model to the most recent previous model. Right. Um, so all the reviews compare the 6 to the 5S. And most people, most sane people, aren't using the previous model. They're not using 5S and going to the 6. Uh, most 5S users today are probably hanging on to their 5Ss um, because it's not part of their upgrade cycle. Um but they mm. have an iPhone 5, more likely, right. or maybe even a 4S or a 4. It's crazy out there, but it happens. So um, comparing it to that is pretty interesting because Touch ID is now something that I've got my hands on for the first time. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, I Touch ID, I holy love, cow. <laughs> I, love, I love Touch ID, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, this thing is, is a phenomenal piece of technology. Um because you can just touch it, and suddenly you're in your phone, and then you can lock it down and, and get access to it so quick. Uh, it's it's an astounding piece of technology. And, you know, people talked about it last year, and I heard a lot of complaints about it, that it over time became less reliable. But I think it's better now from what I'm hearing. It's better on the iPhone 6 than it is on the iPhone 5S. Uh, okay, yeah, so maybe the yeah. hardware is better is what you're saying. Possibly, yeah. possibly. Um, well, anyway, it's for, for me, it's working very well. Um, I'm just having a blast with it. One of the comments I'll make on it, uh, in regards to the larger screen, um, you know how Apple was saying that they've got a, you know, they're they're scaling the apps up that haven't been updated for the new phone yet. And I've got a few uh, apps like that, like Tweetbot, for example. Uh, it's probably the most commonly used one. And one of the things I noticed on it, you can tell that it's kind of been blown up a little bit. And you can especially tell when you're composing and you get the keyboard. Have you noticed this? Uh, probably even more so on your six pluses, uh, apps that haven't been updated for our for these devices mm-hmm. have a very large keyboard. Um, have you noticed what I'm talking about? You mean like like because it, it, it's a scaled up keyboard? Yes. Kind of like when we the transition between iOS six and iOS seven, you'd get the iOS six keyboard and it yeah. would give away that somebody hadn't updated their app. That's right? true. Yes, and uh, yeah. you know it's it's similarly it's a giveaway. But uh, in this instance, I love this big keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you look at these keys, they're giant, um, and I can't imagine what they're like on your phones, but um, uh, it's really great for, for typing on, and I'll be a little sad when it goes away and it gets replaced with the standard iPhone 6 keyboard. Uh, and one other point I wanted to make was regarding the 6 Plus, um, really surprised that they kept the 
the, the sort of forehead and chin the same size? You know, looking at the uh, the phone in your hand, and you guys can do this yourself, um, you know, you look at the, the, the part above the screen and the part below the screen uh, where yeah. the home button and the speaker are. Um, it seems to me that they are unnaturally large for uh, the, the size of the device. Like if they if they're – I think there was a huge opportunity for Apple to shrink the device, the height of the device on the 6 Plus. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of see the, the functionality from a hardware point of view that, you know, they got the got the home button and it ha- pro- probably the circuitry has to be a certain size. And then the same thing with the proximity sensor and the camera, front-facing camera and the speaker as well, right? Yeah. I think those probably have to take up a certain amount of vertical sure space, right? So yeah. just felt like a lot of room up there um, making a, a big phone even bigger. That's just my opinion. What do you think about the sticky outy lens on the back? Yeah, I've got no problem with that whatsoever. Really? You don't find it tippy on the desk or you're not well, concerned about scraping it around or whatever? No, not really. I mean, I'm looking at it now. And I've, I've been uh, developing an iOS app uh, actively. That's what I'm doing every day. So I've yeah. had my phone on my desk all day, every day, right. um, plugged into my uh, Thunderbolt port. But it's fine. It doesn't bother me in the least. Um, hmm. Yeah, it strikes me as kind of a non-issue. I know some people are concerned about it. But, you know, remember the, the fifth generation iPod Touch? Uh, which is still the current one, even though it's two years old, has the same thing. Uh, and nobody's freaking out about that. But people who put cases on their phones are going to obscure that immediately, right? Yeah, like the Apple case, it, it's you know, it's a non-issue. Yeah, yeah. like I imagine that, uh, you tell me, uh, the that ridge is now flush with the case itself? No, it sticks up about a millimeter, or, which is, you know... It sticks out even even now? Like 64th of an inch for the American people. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's, 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 actually, it's actually very minimal. Compared to, like, I've got the LiveProof case here on my iPhone 5S, and it's almost like an eighth of an inch, or not quite, an, three sixteenths of an inch above. So I can't actually get to the edge of the screen. So I'm dragging icons from one page to the other, you know, it's, you, you kind of have to sort of turn your finger to get it in there, you know, whereas the this case and the curved screen, it's not an issue at all. Yeah. Well, I can yeah. say some nice things about this thing. <laughs> um, okay. The screen is magnificent. Um, the, the curved glass at the edge, the space on the left and right of the bezel, um, in between the bezel and the screen, is just really nicely curved, and the glass is curved where it meets the metal of the case. Um, it provides a great tactile feel when you're holding it in your hand, and for the gestures that you very often sweeping with your left thumb on the left side of the screen towards the right to to go back in a navigation controller most often, um, that's got such a great tactile feel. Um, you just want to do it all the time. Um, but on the downside, because I can't be Mr. Positive all the time, the um, the sleep switch or the sleep-wake switch, uh, which has been moved from the top to the top of the right side of the phone, yes. um, I wish that thing were lower. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it just seemed to be a bit too high. And I find sometimes when I'm taking pictures, I, I hit, uh, I actually turn the phone off because I'm because I'm usually gripping the phone sideways with yeah. my finger on the volume yeah. plus key, and my thumb is right where the the power switch is. Yeah. Disconnects. One thing, by the way, I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but I've had a few, like I mentioned last week, I had some issues with iOS 8 and making phone calls and that my proximity sensor on my 5S doesn't seem to be working properly. And I also noticed that when I press the lock screen, lock button on the top, it actually hangs up the call. Hmm. Whereas before it would just lock the screen so I could continue without, you know, the, you know, force the screen to be asleep, right? That is most odd. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say about that switch is that it gets canceled out if you're holding uh, any of the volume switches. If you look at it, it appears that the sleep-wake switch is the same size as the uh, the volume buttons, right? Yeah, volume plus, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's actually e- uh, equidistant from the top uh, with the volume up. Mm-hmm. I believe it's perfectly in line. That wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me. So mm-hmm. what you end up doing quite often is uh, squeezing the phone. Yeah. And it, I've done this a ton of times. I, I'm I'm holding the volume up at the same time as I'm trying to put it to sleep, and the volume up cancels out the sleep switch. So mm-hmm. if you if you push both, you turn the volume up. You don't put it to sleep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I that when I'm taking taking pictures sometimes or trying to take a screenshot, you know, with home button and and the power button, yes. and I end up turning the volume up. <laughs> yeah. I find that if I'm going to take a screenshot, I've got to like regrip on the phone to, yeah. you know, put my thumb in the top left corner and 
index finger on the sleep switch and then th- thumb of the right hand on the home button. Um, so it's peculiar. Like the, 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 the hardware form factor is forcing us to reimagine how we interact with this device uh, mm-hmm. in ways that we aren't even sub, you know, conscious of. It's just happening. Um, so it's, it's funny, but uh, it's something that we're, we're going to get used to and won't even think about as time goes on. Well, and, and that's what I was saying earlier about the iPhone 6 is that, I f- 6 Plus, I should say, is uh, it is, you know, I, I have big hands and, you know, I'm finding new ways of holding the device to, to when I'm working on it with one hand, but it, it is a whopper. It takes two hands to handle a whopper and this is one of them, right? So I'm actually finding that I'm using my right hand a lot more using the phone where, where I used to just only use my left hand while my right hand was doing something else like working a keyboard or whatever, driving a car. Um... <clears throat> But yeah, it's it's it is a bit. You don't find it a bit t- uh, tippy or wobbly in your hand sometimes, Jaime. Yeah, if I'm trying to do one-handed, um, I probably wouldn't do it. You know, over concrete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the comfort of my own home, where it's probably you know going to hit with a pillow oh, underneath it. Yeah. Until the one time you forget, so it doesn't bend when it lands. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what do you think about the? Do you guys the double tap on the home button? Does that work for you guys on the iPhone six plus or six? Yeah, it works. Yeah. Um, you know. Do you use that much? I just discovered it now. Yeah, see, I, well, here, here's a couple of things about that. Is, is I've been finding I use it a lot because of the whole, you know, once, I, once it's gotten into my brain that that's an option for me, you know, I know I don't, have to, I don't have to get to the top of the screen to get my calendar or to hit a navigation bar or press send when I'm doing a tweet, you know, because uh, it's really far, far, far up there and you, have to, you need a step ladder to press the send button. But... Um, so that having the double tap, double tap on the home button, but this happened to me, and it also happened to Jaime last week was, or this earlier this week I should say, for a while it stopped working altogether. The double tap home, and the only way out of it was to reboot the phone to get it to come back. So I'm not sure what happened. Must have uh, had a software conflict. No, that hasn't happened to me. Uh, it's too bad there wasn't an iOS eight update though. Oh God. <laughs> Can I take this one? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> All right, because I had a very deep and personal experience with it. Um, see, I just want to—I want to precede this by letting you know that I don't always just grab whatever the somebody update. has to be the leader in the group. It might as well be you, <laughs> might right? As well, I guess I don't know. The thing is, is that I'm working on a project right now for a client, and there's this um, there's this bug that I'm having with uh, UI Page View Controller in iOS eight. And uh, I was really hoping that uh, the point release would fix it. <laughs> Is that is that a realistic hope? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so when when I was actually working on that very problem, trying to find a workaround when the update came out, and I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be great if that just fixed this problem, just made it go away, you know? And so I raced to download and, up and install it on my phone. And, well, you probably know what happened. Uh, comes back and carrier not found and touch ID doesn't work. Twitter lights up, and I'm one of those victims. And so... So how, how did you know that Touch ID wasn't working? Well, actually, I didn't right away. Uh, somebody tweeted about it, and then I, I was able to very quickly confirm just because it didn't work. <laughs> um, mm. But, yeah, I immediately noticed that the carrier uh, not found uh, thing because um, it just didn't say anything in the top left corner, and I had no cell capability at all. Still on the Wi-Fi network, though, so it wasn't a complete dead stick. Yeah, well, I, I did notice it. As soon as I noticed it, I, I saw – I didn't see a tweet about the um, – the update being available, I saw a tweet about uh, the the fact that it wasn't working, so I started firing off tweets as soon as I saw that. I read read the um, article on imore dot com, mm-hmm. um, and I think Rene um, also posted um, a link to the, I guess the previous IPAs or whatever you call them. That that um, yeah, the eight point IPAs. When you did the restore, did you have to? You didn't have to erase the fo- like. Did it, you didn't lose anything? You just went in and hit help the option key down and, and updated it. Or yeah, or yeah. Do? So I started by doing a a backup. Um, so I just made a, a quick backup uh, to my Mac, plugged into mm-hmm. iTunes, mm-hmm. Uh, just so I had a current state. And then that was a good idea. Make a backup first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, using a download link, I was able to get the 8.0 um, uh, software update. Mm-hmm. And you option click on the restore, and then that you choose that update that you've downloaded, and then it runs it, and you get like a b- blank phone, which you then restore uh, from your b- latest backup. 
Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you got to give it the hour or whatever it takes to, to restore everything. Yeah, it didn't actually take that long. So I, I didn't have a ton of stuff on this phone anyway, so it was okay. Oh, okay. So did you not? So when you first started using it, did you not um, do a restore from a backup of your five? Uh, because uh, for my when I had my five, I had recently uh, kind of flushed it and restarted, so I oh. had I had a very little amount of data on the phone to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it was a quick restore for reasons that have to do with development. Best not to go into them. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, and, and well, it's interesting because I, I, I've, I've noticed a couple of things. A couple of people have obviously have you know gotten a hold of iPhone sixes, and the first person they call when they have trouble is me. One person took their phone, or a partner took their phone to the Apple store and had Apple do the, you know, the the transfer of the data, which. I'm not 100% confident in because the first thing I got was, well, a bunch of my notes are missing and my settings are all wrong. And, you know, so, you know, they probably just follow a, a recipe, the book that they've got there on how to do it. The other thing, too, I noticed about, about uh, doing restore from previous phones is is they don't prompt you to register your phone anymore. And, and sometimes it's a good thing to do that, I've, you know, like especially if something gets stolen or whatever and you need to get that serial number if you haven't registered it, there's no way to find that that information after the fact unless you have the boxes and stuff like that, which people never keep, right? But um, so that's one thing. And I posted a link uh, on Twitter about, and I'll put it in the show notes, about um, where to go and register your phone if, if you've done that, right? Whenever you do rest- restore to your phone, not, your music doesn't come back, um, and you have to wait for all your apps to come up. Yes, yeah, surprisingly, the application data does get restored, but not necessarily the apps all the time, so... Well, here's the thing. Um, if if you make a backup to your Mac, yeah, um, and you've before that, if you have downloaded apps from the App Store on mm-hmm. your phone, um, mm-hmm. then for some reason I don't know why this is, but they will those apps will not transfer to your backup, and you'll get a message that says there is purchase yeah. content on this device that will not be transferred. Um, yeah. And and that's exactly what happened. I had about three apps that I had downloaded on on my phone, not not through iTunes, which then got yeah. transferred. Um, and so they were gone when I did the restore again. I had to go back to the app store and re-download them. Well, if you think about it, though, if you think about it, though, it, it obviously saves disk space on backup because you're because you're not why back up something that you already have ideally in your iTunes directory or or is accessible. It's the same data. What's interesting about that, like what I was saying before, is I've actually gone in and, um, uh, you know, interrupted a, a restore or whatever, and the data for that application got put on my phone. And then when I went later on, went and put the, the app back on the device and opened up the app, all the data that was created in the previous versions of phones was in the phone that I yes. restored. Yes. Which is kind of cool. So. Very handy. Made, yeah. one, made coming back pretty easy. One trick that I've discovered is. Whenever you're doing a backup, always go to iTunes and the app section there and do an update first. Because very often I've updated on my phone, uh, but not in iTunes. So I have you know 50 apps that oh, are that are yeah. ahead on my phone, and and then it tries to back all those up, or it gives me the message about transferring purchase content. Sure. So if you do go to into iTunes and do the update first, then you can avoid a lot of that. Yeah, that's smart mm-hmm. because that ha- actually happened to me too, Mark. Uh, <laughs> I ended up uh, having to re-update uh, about six or seven apps. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that happens. Mm-hmm. I think uh, well, one thing we forgot to mention here is that this 801 update uh, was bad only for the new phones, the new six phones. Um, right. So anyone who was using a 5S or a 5 or anything lower, uh, they were fine. Yeah, but once it, once it, the news got out, I'm sure they were all running around screaming their heads off. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's yep. still a big deal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I think... I, can we talk about or should we talk about the fact that how the hell did this happen? <laughs> this seems crazy to me. Well, it's it's an interesting point. And, and, and you know, I, I've been saying, I joke all the time that my, Apple's getting more and more like a Microsoft every day. Mm. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is is the bigger they've gotten, the less, and Mark and I talk about this privately all the time, the less concerned they are about all the quality control that they, that they do. I mean, simple things like... Um, you know, you go to WWDC and you get the app. And last year's app, it was a, it was like we were all saying who approved the WWDC app because, it, like, you know, if we had built something like that, they never would have approved it, right? Um, you know, they kind of probably just rubber stamped it as it went through. But that seems to be a ball that they keep dropping consistently. You know, what do you think about that, Mark? Yeah, it, it's pretty disturbing. I mean, you'd think that Apple would have some pretty rigorous regression testing. 
for this kind of stuff before they push this thing mm-hmm. out. And it's amazing that they don't. It really is amazing that they don't. Uh, I, I do wonder if, if it has something to do with the, the siloed nature of Apple where maybe the people doing the 801 uh, update you know, haven't even seen the final version of 8 and they don't necessarily have access to the latest and greatest phones or something like that. I don't know. You'd think they would. But... Well, yeah, I can I can interject that. I do know that you know, years ago I was talking to an Apple representative about the iPhone when it first came out and, and Apple employees don't necessarily get devices as soon as we do, right? In fact... The Apple attitude, Apple policy is the customer who has who's paying the money gets entitled to getting equipment before people inside Apple do. Now that yeah. may not apply to the software guys. I would hope that they would have access to the new hardware, but you know, you never know, right? Yeah. Well, it may be that the phones that they do have for testing don't have cellular networks, right? Maybe they're just uh, internal devices, yeah. so they couldn't test that. <laughs> I don't know. It it really seems crazy though that that they could push something out with this bad of a functionality problem. I think it was someone on Twitter anyway said that if you've got a problem with what happened today, Apple has a hundred QA positions open on their <laughs> website. Is that um, true? That is true. Yes. Wow. Um, actually not just for QA, Apple's got a lot of open recs for jobs. Um, sure. they are looking yeah. to hire a lot of engineers, um, like programmers, <laughs> yeah. not just, uh, QA programmers, but all kinds of programmers. They are hiring all the time. There are just not enough qualified people to do all the jobs that Apple wants done, and right, this right. is this is it in written large. I think. I was chatting with a uh, speaking of speaking of uh, getting jobs at Apple. I was, I was telling uh, one of the one of the guys on Twitter that I was having a conversation with about um, one of the guys on, on the uh, some of the experts panel at WWDC this year said um, he had filed a whole bunch of radars to Apple. And his first job when he got a job working in at Apple was to fix his own radars. Yeah. Nice. Um, I think Rostam uh, po- posted something earlier too, which I thought was interesting. Is he says I think his his post was something to the effect of, you know, he's not surprised that people who aren't you know, who aren't inside the developer community complain about Apple um, releasing a bad update like this, but he's surprised that people who work in the development community are, are or, or ship any kind of software. Are, are mildly surprised by this because it, it does happen, right? We know that it has happened in the past, but I I really honestly did expect more from Apple than this. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I think we should be able to expect more from Apple. Yeah, this is not some obscure thing that no one ever uses except every once in a while, right? I mean, talking on the phone is pretty much the primary use model for these devices, right? Yeah. So, well, yeah, and then, and yeah, exactly. And that's one thing we're not allowed to interrupt is phone calls. Right, right. So. right. You know, we have to gracefully step aside when the phone rings. One thing I'm kind of thinking about here, because it, let's remember the context for this release is that it was supposed to fix HealthKit, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Apple at the last minute said, whoops, you know, all you have to put HealthKit updates. No, we're going to remove you because we made a mistake on our side of, of some sort. Sure. And that's what this is for. Um, and it, it does kind of make me wonder. So we, you know, we were really happy when Apple came out with all these wonderful things at WWDC, and then, of course, at the event just a, a couple of weeks ago, we were all happy to see what the Apple Watch is, is doing and what it's, uh, how things are coming along. Um, but it, it does start, sorry, you know, does sort of make me wonder. Maybe they shouldn't be doing this much if they're not capable of doing it well. Um, yeah. yeah. It, I think Daniel Jacket and uh, David Brent underscore Simmons. Smith. In, well, maybe Brent Simmons. Yeah, a few folks have wondered, you know, for an indie developer uh, standpoint, it would be kind of nice if they slowed down a little bit because there's just so much going on. And I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe they should slow down just to make sure the quality of the product stays high. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't tell you the number of times, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to ship something. And, and the last, at the 11th hour, we've discovered a, a, a bug uh, or something like that. In fact, I know I've even had apps hit the app store that I've had to, I don't, never really pulled them off the market, but um, I think I did once. But, uh, but um, you know, had to quickly turn around a, a fix, you know. But, I, like, I'm one guy. And, like, you know, I don't have, like, you know, a whole QA team behind me, right? Well, so. we wouldn't be surprised if it happened to ourselves. Um, yeah. You know, right. it, it has happened to me. But, you know, I don't have a QA team. Apple has a QA team. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, their, this is their flagship operating system. Sure. Um, and it should get this kind of attention for something as basic as their brand new phone. So mm. that's... That's well, that right brings us, that brings us to another little discussion, and that's this whole uh, bendy f- new feature, bendy phone that you come out with. What do you uh, 
think about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll second that one. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. here in the United States, people have been calling it Benghazi. Um, yeah, kind of like the Benghazi attack that happened in 2012. It's probably even more American centric thing there. Um, but uh, so I've you know I've seen videos. Yes, you know if you are really really trying hard to bend the phone, it will bend. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. some other phones uh, will not. Right, other larger phones like Galaxy Notes and whatnot. Sure. Yeah. Um, However, that that sort of test isn't really realistic, right? Mm-hmm. If you're really going through the effort of bending it, of course it's going to bend, um, or at least it, at least you know it might be damaged in some way. Now, what I think has has happened here is the original story that came out was some anecdote from some guy who, you know, drove. I don't know, four plus hours to go to a wedding and he was wearing, um, you know, slacks and he had the phone, supposedly had the phone in his front pocket during that drive. And, front pocket? Uh, yes. So that's the thing, right? Obviously, if you put it in your back pocket and your rear end just squishes it, it there's a chance bad things might happen. I think people get that. But there's this meme going around of people thinking, oh, no, like even if I have it in my front pocket, uh, it, even disregarding skinny jeans, right? Because that's the next thing. This guy's claiming he was wearing, you know, something appropriate for a wedding, and had it in his front pocket. And the next day, he noticed, oh no, it's, you know, it's bent. Um, that sounds like BS because that doesn't sound physically possible, right? So uh, a little bit of impulse, perhaps, uh, maybe sustained bending uh, or a sustained force, I could see doing it. But with what he described, right? Even sitting in a car. But having it in slacks, which tend to have a, a wider, looser pocket, I can't see how it's physically possible for him to have bent that phone, barring a manufacturing defect on his specific phone. Well, so was he? Was he? You think he was basically trying to do an Apple Care claim, and this was this was the story that he presented, as opposed to him and his buddies in a drunken stupor decided to lean on it over a desk and, and see if it would bend? You know, I mean, so. That sounds great, right? And if and if you're a website that's looking for page views, like you don't care if it's really true or not, it, it's going to sell. And you can add a correction later on when somebody investigates and has video of the guy doing that very thing. Or right. yeah, in the case of the guy doing a video, you know, buying a phone and then just going onto YouTube and breaking it there. I mean, that's an investment, not not a risk, right? Put the thousand dollar phone, and you think he's going to get that much advertising well, out of it? Yeah, I was hoping to actually put that question to you guys because I don't know that, but it must happen because we we've seen this pattern of behavior before. Yeah, yeah the whole will it blend thing. The guy yeah. was blending blending iPhones. Yeah, for that's a while that's back. part of a marketing campaign for a sure. blender. But yeah. you know, like I'm talking about private citizens spending a thousand dollars on a phone and then going onto YouTube and breaking it. Mm-hmm. it those drop tests. You know, mm-hmm. like, why are they doing that if not for getting money? Wh- like, where is that coming from? Yeah, there's no there's no motivation to destroy a $1,000 phone, in my opinion. Well, in, in YouTube land, I think there must be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, what is it? You know, if you get 2 million views of your video, and, and there's a little ad that plays there. Sure. Um, is, is that going to give you enough compensation to cover that phone plus plus? That's what I'd like to know. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a real bad business model in my opinion, you know. So But there must be yeah. because plenty of people the very first thing they do when the new device comes out is is do that. They try to break it. Well, exactly. And but there's there's a whole there's a whole culture of people who game the whole web stuff, you know, uh by posting things that they know are going to going to get them uh, attention and and therefore revenue if they're if that's their model, right? right. But there's got to be a better way to make a living than that. I'm sorry. Um, it's sacrilege. Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I was well, it's it is it is wasteful and it's it's an egregious waste of resources to take this piece of technology that has been carefully engineered, crafted thousands of miles away, and carted over here in a beautiful box. You've waited hours and hours and hours to get it, and you bring it home and you smash it. Yeah. Yeah. Like some kind of animal. Yes. Well, the thing the thing about it is, uh, and I do know I, I've seen uh, uh, one of my clients. You know, when I first met him, I looked I looked at his computer and I saw down the side of it. It was one of the the Macs, the 15 inch Macs that had the the PC card, PCMICA slot. His laptop was severely bent right there, so obviously he had put it in a bag or dropped it or banged it or something. You know, dumped his bike on it or or whatever. But it had a serious bend, and to this day, that Mac is up and running, hmm. right? 
Um, and when some of the pictures I saw of of the bends, you know, uh, it was right around where the volume control buttons are, or even the power button. And in the same sense as that PC slot would would have been machined, you know, you would have had to give up some material to obviously get the button in place. I could see that being a weak spot from a mechanical point of sure, view, but yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so of course it's going to bend, you know. And it's aluminum. But, I mean, a thin piece of aluminum, you can bend that, right? That's, for sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like crushing a Coors can. Who's yep. you're not impressed by that at all, right. right? So the worst part was that there was just no science to this bending thing, right? You know, it, how, how many pascals of pressure did he apply <laughs> to 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 this phone to make it bend? And you know, you, all, all you really had to see in this YouTube video was the pressure on the guy's thumb as he was pushing against the glass, you know? Yeah, like the blood but, was leaving his finger, yes, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Um, and that's that's as close to a scientific assessment of how much pressure he applied as we'll ever get, right? Right, right. Uh, and that just, to me, is just, that's just crazy bullshit and a waste of time. And, you know, the, the internet has to jump on something uh, mm. to do with anything that Apple ships, any phone that Apple ships. This is just another example, and it's 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 really not worth the time that anybody has spent on, including us. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think it's I think it's funny that that uh, Farley actually posted a thing, and that's where I first found out about Ben Gate myself. Um, he posted a link about the history of the various Apple Gates or iPhone Gates. You know, the yeah. the, the the iPhone four you're holding it wrong because the antennas were obscured by the meat of your thumb thumb pad on it um you know there's issues with uh the ipod ipods uh, ipod nanos were cracking uh 3gs were cracking you know 3gs's were discoloring and all that kind of stuff there's been all the kind of uh little stories about you know uh things that happen over over the over the miles that people use uh, these devices so one last uh, bit about uh, benghazi so it's it's even sort of taken on an extra bit of life where people are comparing the iPhone 6 to the iPhone 6 Plus. And no surprise, they're discovering that the iPhone 6 doesn't bend as much <laughs> and is harder to bend. And really? <laughs> I would like shot. to educate these folks that there is a little bit something called leverage, with its <laughs> right, word right. being lever. So if you look up on you know Wikipedia how those work, you'll very quickly understand why. <laughs> yeah, the longer the lever, the less force required. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, it, 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 I think the best part about it of the whole thing was was uh, you know when I when I when I went to get my iPhone six plus, um, by the way, mine was the first one the guys at, at the store had seen, and so you know I sort of volunteered to let them open the box and have a look at it because you know the the two guys at the Rogers store hadn't hadn't even seen one yet because nobody had ordered one. All they got for they got by the way just you know we talked about this last week. I asked the guys at the store how many phones they got. They got nine phones, but they were all iPhone sixes. They had no pluses. Um, but I, and then so we took the opportunity to compare it to the size of a, a Galaxy Note three, and it's almost identical in terms of size, in terms of the screen, and all that kind of stuff. But right beside there, I, I was surprised to see an LG phone with an actual curved screen. You know, because I you know I'd heard about this curved glass, but I hadn't really seen one anywhere. And then I think today LG posted an ad, um, you know, congratulating on Apple on, on copying their curved their phone. They'll do anything to advertise Apple's <laughs> hardware, won't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was actually I think it was quite quite interesting to use to use that take that opportunity as quick as they could. Um, that's marketing one hundred and one. One thing that that I discovered, I have a couple of apps that that are photo centered, uh, and there used to be in in iOS seven and earlier there was a framework called AL Assets Library that uh, looked at your photos that are stored in the device, and there was a general place a general album that that had all your photos called the camera roll and one thing that you mm-hmm. could do if you wanted to get all your photos out was just do one call to this library and say hey give me everything in camera roll and you'd have right. you'd have all your photos well that's gone in ios 8 so now some older apps if they haven't been updated yet if they just try to look for the camera roll they can't find any of your photos so you can't uh, can't see anything except what you find in in recent photos and, and a couple of other places um, now, this it seems to be, from what we were talking about earlier, it seems to be uh, related to uh, just photos that are only on your device and not through iCloud. So maybe it's not that big a oh, deal okay. for, for that many people. Yeah, I mean, look, well, I looked at, looked at some of my apps when you mentioned that earlier, and, um, and they seem to be okay. I get a 
a library called well, hang on a second yeah called all photos mm-hmm. and 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 that seems to be my my camera let's see that's the same as the uh, as the um you know at the bottom there's a tab that says photos and then albums mm-hmm. so when i when i the the view i get when i look at all photos is that same sort of you know curated one where it's oh, it's got them all clumped by location and by date so they're not it's not like the the just straight view of, of photos that you used to have before i wonder what facebook looks like well well, it's interesting, actually. When I even in the Apple Photo app, if I go into my album section, I don't see all photos. I just see uh, the albums that I've purposely put photos into, plus recently added and recently deleted. I, I do see all my photos under photos in the you know in the, in the collections area. That's that's uh, sorted by date, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, but not in albums. So it and and I don't use uh, photo sharing on iCloud, so that might be part of it. You know what's interesting here is is um, I just opened up the Facebook uh, app just to have a look at mm-hmm. it. You know, of course they're my favorite company. That of course was sarcasm. Um, and on the iPhone six plus, they've got their their grid size doesn't scale properly. So I see the first two images on the left, and then I see maybe a quarter of the next image. So it's kind of kind of weird. Mm. I guess they they have some work to do on their app. Mm-hmm. Too bad. That's too bad. But I know that fa- I know Facebook is one of those people who are, who are changing what you, the way you saw the photos in in the app. You know, they were just using the standard calls. They were, they were reversing the order, so the latest photos at the top. And looks like they're using some sort of collection view kind of thing to to render a photo photo gallery, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I, one thing I've noticed too, and I don't know if you guys have noticed it, because you know I come from a design background, so things like layout and, and alignment and stuff like that kind of kind of really catch my eye. And um, I've noticed that the wallpapers on the iPhone 6 Plus don't fit as well as they did on the other devices, previous devices. So I've actually had to go in and rescale my, like I restored my phone so my wallpapers came over. And then I've got my company logo on my on my lock screen. And I'm just noticing now that, that on the iPhone, like I, I just sent up a new uh, version of it um, to the 6 Plus, And it's like too pushed too far over to the left. It's kind of kind of really weird. You guys have noticed any, any alignment issues like that at all, and on your devices? I have not, but I wonder if that's just a factor of uh, scaling up a smaller image to a larger size, and it has to do some kind of uh, interpolation to create new points, and maybe it's just off by by a pixel. Well, it's interesting. Like I, 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 the the image I'm talk, talking about now is is my uh, my 568 um, high you know at 2x image yep. that I use for my for my load, launching screen on one of my apps mm-hmm. and um, yeah and it's it's uh, funny it's not lining up here properly so but now mm. now you have a 3x device so it has to potentially scale yeah, yeah. that to a half pixel size so maybe that's yeah the maybe that's what maybe the math is the problem what yeah. were you going to say there Aaron sorry. Well, the day that the iPhone 6 came out, um, Ged Mayhew from Icon Factory, Mm -hmm. do you know him? He's one of the designers behind Twitterific, and he produced a Star Trek lock screen image, Mm -hmm. and uh, it is perfect. (laughs) So (laughs) if you're looking for that, I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, It is just this amazing (laughs) graphic, and it fits perfectly, so I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Oh, thanks, Aaron. No sweat. I'm here for you, baby. Let's see if I can. Oh, oh, look! Oh, you know what? You know what it is? Is is the image is kind of like oh, it's loosey goosey in here. Oh, there we go. I just got it. I, you know what? I, I found this to be true as well. With like, I have a picture of a stormtrooper I took at WWDC in uh, as my home screen, and I found that I had to actually go into the wallpaper uh, control panel in settings and actually pinch it to scale it. Now I just I just did that with the lock screen, and now it's it looks wonderful. So that's that's an oh no sorry I take that back it's all screwed up again <sighs> sorry okay okay so another thing that uh, Jaime posted was about um, some trends in iOS at iOS eight adoption in general so Jaime do you want to give us a rundown on that sure so there's some information from uh, Mixpanel and I think we can put that that link in the show notes yep. um, and uh, Apple itself. Um, and just kind of looking at the trend right here. So mixed panel. So from September 17th, when iOS 8 became available to today, looks like a, about 35% of, uh, of users have upgraded uh, to iOS 8. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's astounding. Um, yeah, in a week, you, right? 
What's that? Yeah. In, in, uh, yeah, Six precisely days. a week today, right? Yeah. yeah. And if you look at Apple's uh, support site, they show that, according to them, 46% of devices are using iOS 8. And they measure that by uh, activity on the App Store. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little bit different, right? So they're they're not going to have, you know, certain classes of people like who don't perhaps, you know, go to the App Store within the very short time period that they're measuring here. But somewhere in the middle lies the truth, right? Uh, for, mm. for most apps, you know, somewhere between 46%, which is a little bit optimistic, and the, you know, 35%, which is probably a little bit pessimistic. Um, you know, you could say maybe it's about 40%. Right. I do. I do remember when iOS seven uh, first came out uh, last year. That that uh, it was surprising how quickly uh, people switched over to iOS seven. You know, initially, you know, started out small. And there was another guy who posted a a graphic. He, he, I don't think if, he, if he's posted anything this year on iOS eight. I'll have a look later. But um, the uh, it was surprising how many how many people how many devices have actually switched over to iOS uh, seven. Um, and I was telling the guys earlier, I, I actually have a, gra- a pie chart that I use on uh, a couple of my apps where I keep track of what uh, what versions of iOS 8 people are using and also what build versions of my own app they're using. And uh, it's a real lesson in uh, um, user retention because I can tell by the fact that I've got num- huge, huge numbers of old iOSs or old builds that people aren't staying with my app, right? Um, but... Uh, the thing, the trend was really quickly to the point where, you know, I'd say around Christmas time of last year, there was really a, a good question as to whether you should even be developing for iOS 6. So it'd be interesting to see what uh, what happens by that time with iOS 8. I think it's going to be the same story. I think you could make a pretty good argument that the mixed panel results are actually pessimistic in terms of adoption. And the reason is that, so Mixpanel is an analytics engine. So they're depending on apps being out in the field and people using those apps and reporting what operating system they're using. So And retention, like I was saying as well, right? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, and, yeah. So so yeah. even if it's even if it's an app that, that people use reasonably often, uh, if they haven't used it in the last week, Mixpanel won't right. know that they've updated. Also, if you have someone who just bought a, an iPhone 6 or 6 Plus and and don't necessarily have a lot of apps on that device, then right. those won't be counted at all. So I think it leads to some interesting business decisions that people have to make, right? And this will vary for everybody. Um, but if you're making a brand new app, you should probably seriously consider going iOS 8 only. Oh, definitely. If you, if you haven't yeah. started, so if you just started today, by the time you finish that app in you know a month to three months, I would bet the percentage would be reasonably high, and you don't have to worry about supporting iOS seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what I've been doing since since I saw the numbers last year from the, the adoption rates is um, any app that I'm updating, um, I don't. I, I just basically turn on I, I turn on latest iOS, and and that's the target I'm shooting for. And and because uh, one of the nice things about Apple is is they they've given us that the opportunity to support people with by allowing them to use the older version of the app until they can you know scrape up enough money to get a new phone or upgrade their OS or whatever. Um, it's unfortunate that like, you know, certain uh, models get left behind probably a lot faster in, in the iOS world than they would have necessarily in the Mac world. Um, like, you know, the original iPad one and some of the earlier iPods. Um, and now the uh, iPhone four is no longer uh, capable of running iOS eight. So, you know, slowly but surely we're, we're moving forward. But that said, you know, it takes a lot of effort to put to put to support the older devices, and you know it's hard to keep them around. It's expensive to keep them around to test as well. So, I think, like I said, whenever I do a, an update of an app, I basically target the, the newer operating system as much as I can. Right. So, it is interesting. Apple no longer sells any three and a half inch screen devices. Right. So. Right. And the only non Retina device they sell is the iPad Two, I believe. There's no more 32 pin connector devices as well um is That's the 4s true. the 4s not for sale uh, no no it's not for sale uh, anymore right the 5c is the free one now all right yeah all right mm-hmm. uh, but the um the original ipad mini is that also been discontinued uh no i have the original ipad mini and it's a lightning lightning port oh but it is non-retina oh though. yeah yeah it's non-retina yeah. but yeah you're right it's, it's got lightning mm-hmm. yeah it's the equivalent of an ipad 2 essentially right uh, just yeah. a smaller screen right yep. and a faster processor but uh, there you go I think we should uh, wrap it up today and go around the table like we usually do and talk about uh, any new and exciting 
apps or technologies that we've discovered in the last little while. So, Aaron, do you have anything to offer up? I do. Um, it's a an app called Awesome Screenshot, and it's an iOS 8 only thing because it takes advantage of the new extension architecture in iOS 8. What this app does is give you uh, an ability to take a screenshot of an entire web page in Safari. So using the, um, the share menu in Safari, uh, you can find this little widget in there, and all it does is just grabs a screenshot of your entire web page that you're looking at. So in, in Safari. In Safari, yeah. So if it's a, you know, like you traditionally you would be limited by what you can see in the viewport uh, in Safari. If it scrolls longer than that, then you would presumably have to take multiple screenshots and stitch oh, them together. Oh, that's what awesome. Else? Yes, that's why it's called Awesome <laughs> Screenshot. And <laughs> um, I will, um, I'll post a link to an article about this in the show notes so that uh, our lovely listeners can find out more about it so my question about that is is does it um so if it's a 1024 website and you're looking at it on a 320 device does it take a screenshot that's 1024 i presume so so like because what it does is is it captures the entire uh web page as as it's been rendered out in as as is intended yeah yeah, as it's intended yeah so like not it's it doesn't care what you see it's going after basically the contents of the scroll. Well, because a lot, a lot, I still, unfortunately, in this, this is 2014, right? I'm correct in thinking of that. I believe um, so. Yeah, it's amazing how many websites are still not mobile ready or don't have responsiveness in them. And you go to them and you get these little postage stamp type websites you're trying to scroll through, and it's crazy. It is. Crazy. So, all apologies to Jaime. Do you have anything to offer up? <laughs> I like that. Um, so, yeah, I do. So it's called RunSwift, and this is a website where, um, as far as I can tell, it has it's sort of like an emulator or, or an input method for you to put in uh, valid Swift code and, and try it out right in your browser. Uh, and they've got an example there of using um, uh, Euler's method. And it's really interesting because uh, surely, you know, if you're sitting on your desktop or your laptop, you could probably just use uh, Xcode and, and use the playgrounds. But where I find it interesting is that if I'm just sitting on the couch using my iPad, or even if I'm on the go using my iPhone, um, this site works, you know, it still functions. It doesn't work as well on, on, on touch devices. I noticed it's not touch optimized, but you can't argue with being able to do Swift, uh, you know, learning Swift or, or trying something out in Swift on the go. So, so you basically can key in stuff, key in some Swift on your, on your iOS device, and then and then have the website render what you just did, like a playground does. Right. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. It's probably good for doing interviews too, if you want to see if somebody knows how to do Swift. You know, yeah, that's right? a good idea. Yeah. It's like, oh, prove it right here. Yep. <laughs> yeah, do it right. Do it right now. Here's the, here, let me hold the gun to your head. Yeah. Um, I just wanted. I wanted to ask you guys if you'd heard about this too. Um, I was actually surprised. Uh, one, at at the fact that this would happen, and two, that people would allow it to happen. Uh, I think Gruber posted something yesterday that there's one of the keyboard uh, extensions doesn't have enough. Um, it needs to have full access, apparently, to your to the keys you're entering because the the obviously the extension doesn't have enough. I think it's one of the swipe key things. Swift key is the Swift one you're key. Of. Yeah, and and is that the one where you swipe and and it, and it figures out what your swipe is and, and uh, figures it out. is one of them that does that. Yes, right. Okay. There's a it, swipe keyboard that also does that. But apparently, it it has to either send it to the container app or to the or to the, to a website to be to be interpreted. No, um, I think um, there was a little confusion about that and. Yeah. I'm actually not sure. This is more like an accidental te- tech podcast because uh, we're not 100% sure on the show. But uh, Gruber was following <laughs> up on this. And it seems that um, that you can opt in to send data to the service, but it is not required. Right, right. And well, and then obviously there's, there's a concern about what you're, what you're actually sending and it's going out into the wild. I, yeah. assume it's, I would assume it's encrypted on the way there and back and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it, I'm sure it is. But I think the... The primary concern is really that any of these keyboards uh, can theoretically send all of your data up to a server somewhere. Um, there's really nothing mm-hmm. preventing that from happening. Uh, you really do have to trust these guys with you know the, the stuff that you're entering. One thing I do know about about uh, iOS 8 extensions because I was looking into it, doing some more research on it right now. 
um, you know, obviously the, the, the app you download uh, that has the keyboard or whatever functionality you wanted is, is referred to as a container app. And that could be your own app that has an extension in it. Or in, I think you mentioned last week that the key the key app you tried, it had nothing in the app itself, but it, it did add the keyboard to the OS. Well, not that, necessarily nothing. Well, but, yeah. well that's what I mean. But, so what I'm saying is that the app you download is actually the container app. And then the... the um, the extension actually has a separate target in your app, and it also has a it has a, one single view, so it has a single view controller in there, um, and that's kind of what renders the keyboard and all that kind of stuff in this particular case. So, um, if but but that that little extension view has nothing in it, and what from what I do understand, the extension has no app delegate, and there's no direct connection between the container app and the um, the extension. So it's it's difficult to send information to it. There's no way to communicate back and forth uh, other than maybe look up information and then put it into the uh, receiving app so there is so from a privacy security point of view when you add extensibility to another app um, that's kind of how it sort of works like the one password app obviously you click on one password it actually launches kind of launches uh, one password in in sort of a separate view and then lets you get the passwords you need and then pop them into the web view that you're looking at or the app that you're trying to enter so, Mark, do you have anything to add to the... Uh... Yeah, I've got one for the developers out there. Um, I'm going to give a shout-out to Apple, actually, about the new Photos framework. Uh, if anyone worked with Photos in iOS 7 or earlier, and we were talking earlier about the AL Assets library, uh, you know that it wasn't necessarily the most pleasant framework to work with. Uh, just to get a list of all the, the photos in your in, on your phone, you needed to run these somewhat cryptic... Uh, asynchronous calls to enumerate through every photo on the on the on the phone and then store them all in a in some kind of a of, of an array uh you know one by one and then you could do something with the array when you're done well that's all gone now you now can actually just do a single synchronous call to get a list of all the photos on your device which is which is really nice cool yeah. okay well i've got a couple actually i was going to talk about um a keyboard trick actually that that on your your mac uh, that allows you to ex- rotate your display, and where this comes into play is with um, if you have if you try to run a simulator with a with the iPhone uh, six plus on say in my case a MacBook Air thirteen, you only get you know a third of the screen that actually appears because it, it the simulator is so huge, and even when you try and shrink it down, it still doesn't fit on the screen. Um, and if you have a if you have a 24 inch uh, display monitor beside you, or even a 27 inch display monitor, you can't see the the entire um, simulator on the screen because it's it, the pixel height is too high, right? Um, so what you can do though is there's a there's a uh, un, I don't know if it's undocumented, but it's kind of a trick in display in the pane in uh, system preferences. You, when before you open the displays, if you hold down Command and Option, it adds a new choice to the menu that lets you rotate your display. So I, I post, I sent a screenshot to the guys in the chat today, um, and I'll post it up on the website. You can actually take your. So in my case, I took my. I was sitting on my MacBook Air. I rotated the screen sideways with the simulator open, and I could from side to side see the full iPhone 6 Plus simulator on my 13-inch screen by rotating the screen. And there's, as there's some people have posted pictures on the on the web where they've gone and got a 24 inch LCD display and gotten one of those you know mount systems, rotated the entire monitor and then used this rotation trick to dis- to rotate the display on their screen and so they can now get a full, you know iPhone 6 Plus rendered uh, simulator in one in one view on their display, which is kind of cool. And I was also talking to Mark and, and Jaime before the uh, broadcast began. And about uh, another um, tool that I use to um, get the video display from my iPhones onto uh, my Mac and, and therefore record them. And it's an app called X Mirage. I think it was like less than 20 bucks. And um, I've used it for a little while. But, you know, especially in, in keeping with the, the fact that you want to be able to send in videos of your app in, you know, using your app or with the functionality in your app and then put it up on iTunes Connect or even just to make demo videos for your website. Uh, or even just to record weird behavior on your phone, um, you can basically you you put your your phone in air, airplay mode and you fire up the uh, 
the Mirage and X Mirage and you choose that as your display and then it shows up in the middle and there's a record button you record then you start using your phone like you do normally send phone phone calls whatever it is you're doing as you're using your app and you can actually record the entire experience on the screen so that's kind of cool um, by the way I, I was telling Mark about this the other day and it, it, I had this really weird bug on my uh, iOS device mm. the other day I was testing phone calls in a UI web view on my phone and I, did, I wasn't recording at the time and I was just doing some weird weird stuff like I had just logged on I had my phone tethered to my Mac I had my uh, and I had just gone to hockey app and downloaded a build of to get it onto iOS 8 uh, long story behind that um, and all of a sudden my iPhone started acting as if somebody else was using my phone like apps were opening and emails were being opened up and random keys being typed into the key in, on the keyboard and just flipping through all of the apps that I had open at the time in random succession, it was like, I swear to God, it was like somebody was actually on my phone. This will probably get cut from the, from the podcast, but it was the weirdest thing. And the only way to get it to stop was to actually power down the phone. Well, what do you think was happening there? I have no idea, but like Mark and I were kind of like, to me, it's like, I'm thinking like, do I call Apple and call Apple security and tell them about this? Because yeah, it was literally like somebody else was on my device. You know, and there's all kinds of, I mean, I'm running, I hate to say it, but I'm running an app made in China to monitor my battery usage. You know, I'm running a new OS that God only knows what's going on on it, right? Um, I had it tethered to the internet. I had just literally gone and downloaded a build from the web. So, you know, somebody could have been snooping around and watching for something. And maybe there's some sort of backdoor that got opened. Or like Mark says, maybe it was just an iOS 8 bug. Wow. But I, and, and, you know, so and so I immediately fired up this X Mirage app and started recording my phone. And I went through the same steps to see if I could get it to do it again. Of course, I haven't been able to do it. But I did I did actually go visit the calculator, which was being used. And I visited a few apps that were like an email. A couple of emails were being created. It was actually an email in my outbox created by this whatever. Um and you could see the email was, you know, it had a bogus address, which thankfully it didn't send to one of my clients, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Right. And but I and I don't know if my nude photos got onto the internet or not. Uh, well, we'll all know soon enough. Amazing. <laughs> um, my guess is that since you're using the phone, uh, that there was something. I'm sorry. Yeah, using the phone. Yeah, there was something about about the you know when when the app goes into the background or becomes yeah. non-active, right? To to yeah. uh, to to let the phone take over. That there was there's some kind of type ahead buffer being filled up in there, and and you were just yeah. you, know, you were randomly tapping stuff, and maybe tap even tapping stuff in the phone app uh, that somehow it translated as taps in a different app somehow, or or maybe something was something was coming from because I've done this before. I can I can reproduce this kind of effect easily on my Mac, right? I can go to Disk Utility, I can tell it to verify my my SSD drive which then is going to put my hard drive into, it's going to take priority usage on the Mac, right? Then I can go and try and click on the finder and click on open apps and try and open emails and do a whole bunch of different clicks or type keys on the keyboard. And then when uh, Disk Utilities finally finishes doing what it needs to do, my Mac will start to run through all those things, those clicks that I'd made, yeah. like you said, like, like an input buffer somewhere, yep. right? So that could have been what it is, but it doesn't explain like why apps were like, it was like doing four finger gestures to swipe between apps and, and, uh, and I don't think that does that work on the iPhone four or five? No, the four finger gestures, multitasking gestures don't work there. Yeah, isn't it? But it was it was yeah it was like I swear to God it was if a customer had called me and told me this happened to them I would not have believed hmm. them. What the, what but device had, was it? Did you yeah, say my my five S? Okay, okay. Yeah, and and it was running iOS eight, and and you know had just and and oh yeah, the other part is was this, and this is where the the post about the trust thing that I put up the other day came from, because I couldn't get I, I, for some reason I kept trying to build on the device, and I kept it kept telling me it couldn't build because of security, like coal and security, like that's yep, yep, very yeah, cryptic. We've all run into that. Yeah, so so well, I hadn't yet, and so when I when I asked Mark about that, I said, "What the hell is this going doing?" Right, and that's why I put the build up on Hockey App and downloaded it again. But because um, I didn't know that if you just fire up the app, it, it just asks you to trust the trust the developer, and away you go, right? So, um, but yeah, I mean that had just happened too. So there was a whole bunch of like, you know, what possibly could have triggered this behavior that happened. It was strange, strangest thing. That is strange. Yeah, yeah. I'd be I'd be curious to see if anybody else has a has an experience like that in in future. I mean, because you know, given that you know uh, we don't know that why you know 
celebrities' photos are being posted to the to the internet. They they claim they're doing nothing about it. Uh, the hackers claim they have access to people's devices. You know, um, I've heard stories from people saying that that there are ways of getting onto devices. I find it hard to believe, except for the fact that, of course, my phone was unlocked because you know I had entered the pin code and all that kind of stuff, right? But I thought Apple security was better than that. It was the strangest, strangest thing. And it was just, it, I mean, like I said, it, it literally, I even locked the screen and came back and it was still running, you know, hmm. so. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, like I actually hit the lock button and then came back on and it was still going and, and yeah, and then, uh, yeah, like I said, the only way to do it was to kind of get it to a point where like a dialog box or something had come up and then I basically pressed and held that uh, power button to get the slide to power off. Are you sure off. your dog didn't have its paw on the screen or something like that? <laughs> yeah, you know. So I've, I've been fooled by this one a, a bunch of times on the Mac. Um, I use a, a Bluetooth keyboard and a Bluetooth uh, track uh, trackpad, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I'll often put them into my travel bag and, you know, stick them in, you know, in a slot there. And then sometimes I'll be using my laptop uh, just out and about somewhere and don't bother to pull those out. And I find my laptop just goes nuts. It doesn't respond to clicks, and the mouse is moving around all the time. And 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 uh, and it turns out that it's it's the trackpad. If the trackpad, if the if the laptop has a connection to the trackpad and the button is pressed, then it basically disables the the uh, the the button on the on the actual laptop. Oh, okay. And so, hmm. I mean, this has driven me crazy, you know, because this thing's sitting in my bag, leaning against something and, and just going nuts. Uh, and I think yeah. my Mac is, is just crazy. So, well, you know, I don't yeah. know. I'm not saying it's the same thing in this case, but, you know, weird things happen. Similar things, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's like sometimes Mark and I are collaborating on, you know, he's in San Jose, I'm here in Toronto, we're work, and he's working on my Mac in remote remote, remote control yeah. mode. And, we're, and we'd be talking about stuff, and he'll click the, click his finger on the trackpad, and then I'll go to grab my mouse or my yeah, trackpad and move around. Stuck. And I can't because he's got a lock on yep. it in, in San Jose, and he has to, like, tap his his keyboard or whatever yeah. to, to, to release it. Yep. Weird yep. stuff. So, obviously, I'm going to have to get a... Um, I'm gonna to have to get a priest to come over and do an exorcism on my phone, and I'll have to get a psychic to come over and bend my iPhone there you plus. <laughs> Who are you come gonna on, call? Come on, that was funny. <laughs> so once again, Aaron, where can people find you? Aaron.vay.ca on Twitter at AaronVay. And Jaime, where can people find you? Devwithahair.com and at Devwithahair on Twitter. And he also works at OfferUp, which is where the joke was coming from. And Mark, where can people find Mark you? Mark R at Smapsoft.com or at Smapsoft on Twitter, or www.smapsoft.com. And once again, my name is Tim Mitra. I am here in Toronto, Ontario, and I host a blog where this uh, podcast can be found at www.it-guy.com. And I'm also uh, Tim Mitra on Twitter, and that's at T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. So thanks again, and everybody can say goodbye now. Goodbye. Okay, see you guys next week, folks. Bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code podcast page on the IT Guy website at www.it-guy.com. There, you can find show notes and a summary of each episode. We also list links to items we talk about on the show, and there are links to the apps on the App Store. Uh, if you like the podcast, you can also leave us a comment on the website. Also, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. And if you follow us on Twitter, you can always retweet our tweets about the show. Thanks. So that's it. We're calling it.